0: Hello and welcome to Just a Guy and his journey back to God. So today is uh, where today is. We're in Mark 12, and uh, before we go and start reading, let's let's go to God in prayer. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for all that you've given us. I'm grateful that we can come before you day after day that we can read your word, that we can talk to you, and that we can have a relationship with you. Even when we've failed, even when we feel bad about ourselves, even when we feel great about ourselves, we, can, we still get to come before you, the creator of all. And so Father, I lift up this reading, I lift up this time to you, and I just pray for your wisdom, I pray for your understanding, and I pray that we would hear your voice And that we would understand your message. I thank you for this time. I thank you for your words. And I just pray that our hearts and our minds would be completely open and receptive to you. That it would only be you speaking, nothing from me. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So let's go ahead and get started right into Mark chapter 12, verse 1. Jesus then began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard. He put a wall around it, dug a pit for the wine press, and built a watchtower. Then he rented the vineyard to some farmers and moved to another place. At harvest time, he sent a servant to to the tenants to collect from them some of the fruit of the vineyard. But they seized him, beat him, and sent him away empty-handed. Then he sent another servant to them. They struck this man on the head and treated him shamefully. He sent still another, and that one they killed. He sent many others, some of them they beat, and others they killed. He had one left to send, a son, whom he loved. He sent him last of all, saying, They will respect my son. But the tenants said to one another, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him. And the inheritance is ours. So they took him and killed him, and threw him out of the vineyard. What then will the owner of the vineyard do? He will come and kill those tenants and give the vineyard to others. Haven't you read the passage of scripture that says the stone the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. The Lord has done this and it is marvelous in our eyes. Then the chief priest, the teachers of the law and the elders looked for a way to arrest him because they knew he had spoken the parable against them. But they they were afraid of the crowd, so they left him and went away later they sent some pharisees and herodians to jesus to catch him in his words they said to him teacher we know that you are a man of integrity you aren't swayed by others because you pay no attention to who they are but you teach the way of god in accordance with the truth is it right to pay the imperial tax to caesar or not should we pay or shouldn't we but Jesus knew the hypocrisy. Why are you trying to trap me, he asked. Bring me the denarius and let me look at it. They brought the coin and he asked them, Whose image is this and whose inscription? Caesar's, they replied. Then Jesus said to them, Give back to Caesar what is Caesar's and to God what is God's. And they were amazed at him. Then the Sadducees, who say there is no resurrection, came to him with a question. Teacher, they said, Moses wrote for us that if a man's brother dies and leaves a wife but no children, the man must marry the widow and raise up offspring for his brother. Now there were seven brothers. The first one married and died without leaving any children. The second one married the widow, but he also died leaving no children. It was the same with a third. In fact, none of the seven left any children. Last of all, the woman died too. At the resurrection, whose wife will she be since the seven were married to her? Jesus replied, Are you not in error because you don't know the scriptures or the power of God? When the dead rise, they will they will neither be married nor be given in marriage. They will be like the angels in heaven. Now, about the dead rising, have you not read the book of Moses? In the account of the burning bush, how God said to him, I am the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. He is not the God of the dead, but of the living. You are badly mistaken. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked them, "Asked them, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart and with all your understanding and with all your strength and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. While Jesus was teaching in the temple courts, he said he asked, Why do the teachers of the law say that the Messiah is the son of David? Did David himself, speaking by the Holy Spirit, declare, The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand until I put your enemies under your feet. David calls, David himself calls him Lord. How then can he be his son? The large crowd listened to him with delight. As Jesus taught, I'm sorry, as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces, and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquet. At banquets, they devour widows' houses, and for this sh- and for a show, make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished most severely. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper copper coins, worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she gave out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. But she out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. So two incredibly important elements were shared. I mean, there's probably way more, but two that hit me um, in my heart. One is this, the two commandments to love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and to love your neighbor as yourself. Those commandments and that statement is what I'm going what I'm focusing on for 2023 is living for God, living to love him and love him with all that I have. The widow's pennies that she gave, giving out of her desperation, giving all that she has is really also the description of loving God with all my heart and all my soul. Those two just hit home for me so impactfully. Because if I'm to really love him with all that I am, I have to give him everything, not just out of my abundance, the part of me that I like and that I feel good about giving. I have to give him all. She gave out of her, she gave everything she had. That means I need to do the same when I'm loving. To love him with everything I am, I have to give him everything. So those, that really just hit home pretty impactfully um, as I was reading it. We then also have, um, A.W. Tozer has a few comments. He focuses on the uh, verse 29 and 30. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. Tozer writes, Having been made in his image, we have within us the capacity to know God and the instinct that we should worship him. The very moment that the spirit of God has quickened us to his life in regeneration, our whole being senses its kinship to God and leaps up in joyous recognition. That response within our beings, a response response to forgiveness and pardon and regeneration, signals the miracle of the heavenly birth without which we cannot see the kingdom of God. Yes, God desires and is pleased to communicate with us through the avenues of our minds, our wills, and our emotions. The continuous and unembarrassed interchange of love and thought between God and the souls of redeemed men and women is the throbbing heart of the New Testament religion. (laughs) To me, it's just incredible. The way he structures some of these things is so impactful. But it's true. There's a part of us, there's a part of me that always wanted to know God, If it longed for it. And I've tried to fill it up many times with other stuff, with toys, fishing rods, boats, all sorts of junk. But it never does complete it. And it doesn't complete me or fill that space. But as soon as I hear God talking and I read his book and I start re- having a relationship with him, my soul is filled. The joy and the happiness is there the contentment. It's an amazing element within us that He's put that only He fits. So again, I love the way Tozer writes. And with that, let's just go ahead and close with prayer. Lord, I thank you for this time. I thank you for your word. I'm grateful for all that you've done. I lift up this reading and I pray that it goes out and is is fruitful and that it multiplies and it touches people and they hear your message. I thank you for loving us. I thank you for who you are and for for being with us. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Hey, thanks for joining me at Just a Guy and His Journey Back to God. I hope you have a great day.